Hello, I'm your host, Jim McLean. Welcome to the latest edition of the Banderflix podcast, recorded here at the Belfast Odeon. And joining me in this recording is Banderflix's very own deputy editor, Joseph McElroy. How you doing, Jim? Fresh from introducing The Crow last weekend. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good experience. I really enjoyed it, and thanks for the opportunity for doing it, and thank you to everyone who showed up. It was my pleasure to let you make my life easy for an evening and not have to do an introduction, but uh, you did very, very well, and the screening went down a bomb, so uh, I'm looking forward to our next cult movie night at The Strand, but also joining us in making her podcast debut is The Gowns' Victoria Brown. Hello to you, Victoria. Hello, Jim. Hello. So guys, as always, we're going to be talking a little bit of movie news. We're going to be talking about Terminator Dark Fate, and we'll be reviewing Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which I saw earlier this week at Movie House on Dublin Road, and you guys have seen it here tonight at the Odeon in Belfast. Uh, And we'll wrap up, as always, with our little bit of silliness that is the and finally question. Okay, guys, so we'll start off with a bit of movie news. We had a couple of trailers in the last couple of days. We had the latest trailer for the next installment of The Conjuring Universe. That, of course, is the next Annabelle film. I'm not that excited. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't know. Are any of you really emotionally invested in The Conjuring Universe? Not particularly. I enjoyed the first one, and the second one was okay, but the, the spin-offs need to stop. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, did any of you see The Curse of, I have to call it, it's, it's what Chris Gray in the Odeon here calls it, The, the Curse of My Sharona. So I, mean, I, I don't, I, I've had the misfortune to see it and it's terrible. Have either of you watched it? No, and just based on you saying that, I'm not going to see it. Uh, <laughs> like the last experience I've had with The Conjuring Universe was The Nun and that's it, I'm, I'm done with it. None of this, none of that? Pretty, pretty yeah, pretty much. Quite, <laughs> quite, none. Quite, done quite done none. with The Nun. Yeah, you're done with the nun. But of course, then we had another trailer. We had the next installment in the Terminator, the sixth, no, sorry, the third installment in the Terminator franchise. That, of course, is Terminator Dark Fate. We have the wonderful James Cameron, who, you know, is just wonderful and is going to fix the Terminator franchise. He's going to come back. He's producing it. He has approved it. I think he's involved in the story. And we have Deadpool's Tim Miller coming back. And more importantly, we have uh, Forget the Mother of Dragons. We have the mother of John Connor is back. Sarah Connor's back. Linda Hamilton's back. You know, they're stealing completely the idea of Halloween. But uh, say no more. I'm assuming I'll start with you, Victoria. You've seen the trailer. Are you a Terminator fan? Are you excited? As I say, by the sixth slash third installment for the series. Um, See, to be honest, not particularly. I only watched Terminator for the first time a couple of years ago. And... It's good for the time, but like looking back, I don't really care that much about it. I dare you. <gasps> I'm sorry. I dare you. The trailer did look very good, but it has me worried that it's one of those ones where the trailer is better than the movie. Mm-hmm. That would be my main worry with Dark Fate. So have you seen, as it just terminated, you seen, have you seen Judgment Day? No. Should I? Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yes. No. Just drop the headphones. Just, go. Just leave the podcast and go watch it now. You, you you have a treat because you can just you actually can literally watch Judgment Day and this if it is any good we don't know and you can literally forget all the pain and the suffering that we've had to go through you won't have to had to go through Terminator <laughs> Salvation you'll save so much in therapy it's going to be fantastic you won't have to go through Terminator Rise of the Machines where we have you know Arnold putting on Elton John style glasses mm. and a Terminator who can inflate her breasts you don't have to go through these things. Thank yeah. God. I feel that maybe she should. <laughs> you know, yeah. You know, if we like, had to suffer, she'll have to suffer you too. You know, it's like the Clockwork Orange thing. I think you need to be <laughs> sat down and just forcibly made to watch Terminator Genesis. Yeah, where they just try and rewrite everything, but it's just completely pointless and stupid. And oh, I know I'm not getting into it again. Okay, so nope. Joe, you clearly went through a lot of pain, right? So is this trailer going to appease that? No. Um... See, when you first mentioned that we weren't even going to talk about it in this podcast, I'd forgotten I'd watched it. It was just that forgettable for me. Like, like don't get me wrong, it is nice to see uh, the likes of Lyndon Hamilton back and even Arnie back. Um, you've seen like a glance of him in the trailer. He's been back before. Yeah. How many times has he been back? <laughs> I don't know. And I think it looks like maybe they'll do a Logan thing with him where he'd be like old man Terminator who's been sitting in a cabin for ages and then he's They've coming out. They've kind of done that in Genesis though. I know. And, and and you look, I'm going to sit here now. I know you kind of you're going to get lost in this little bit of the discussion, Victoria. There's elements of Terminator Genesis I really like. There's elements there. It's the the stuff when they go back and they kind of do the you know the the Star Trek thing because oh well what they what JJ did with Star Trek kind of saved the franchise well for three films and 
Then Chris Pine wanted more money, so now it's in limbo and we're waiting for Quentin to take over the reins there. But uh, I kind of like the idea of of going back to the events of the first film and then just using time travel and doing the Back to the Future thing. It's the fact that that stuff is over and done with in like 10, 15 minutes of the film and then they fast forward to the future and then give themselves an artificial, like a, a time bomb, a, a ticking clock for things to solve. And that's when the film all falls down. And let's not mention when Matt Smith turns up. The less said about that, the better. There's there's parts of Genesis I like. And I think I always have... T- I've said this story in the podcast before. I think I take a perverse pleasure from it. From when I went to see it at a midnight screening, there was a woman... Hey, Victor, this is a woman who'd been through all those films. All She'd, she'd been through the dark days of Terminator Salvation. Poor lady. She'd been through... You know, well, apart from like the last 10 minutes of Rise of the Machines, which is quite good. And she just watched Terminator Genesis and she came out and she was turned. She turned around to her friend who's with her at the movie house at the time and said, well, that just raped my childhood. <laughs> and I, not, not subtle, not subtle. And I kind of I really wanted to tap her on her sh- on her shoulder and go, really, really? You know, you can go back home this minute, this tonight, right now. And watch Terminator and watch Terminator 2. Nobody's taking that away from you. If you don't like this film, that's fine. But I don't go as far as say it raped my childhood and it's destroyed. I, as I say, I think that's why I'm, I perversely defend parts of Genesis. But I still accept that it is a turd of a film. If that makes sense. Yes, it does make sense. Because it is an awful, awful film. And I just don't want to remember it. Um, but even back to the trailer for Dark Fate. I know it's just a trailer and they still render special effects and oh that, but God. there's that bit where the like new Terminator jumps off a Jeep and throws a pipe. It looked like something from The Matrix Reloaded. <laughs> like that's a film that's nearly well, well, close to twenty years old. Yeah. And they still haven't got the special effects, you know, right? Like 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 Jurassic Park is one of the first films to use CGI in a huge scale like that. And it still holds up and is still infinitely better than half of the films mm. that you would see today. Even like some of the stuff in like Godzilla there, like Jurassic Park looks better. Yeah. Other than that, you know, there, there is a bit of ambiguity in the trailer. Like, where's John Connor fitting in all this here? Because he's not showing at all. Like, is he alive or is he dead? Or like, where are they going to go with that sort of end of the story? Do you think maybe they've just learned the lesson from the Genesis trailer where they just revealed right at the get go? Oh, by the way, John Connor's a Terminator now. Yeah, I think they're maybe just going to... Spoiler, sorry, Victoria. Spoiler, yeah, sorry. Yeah, to say. Spoiler. But you've already said you're not going to... This, this doesn't matter. You don't have to go through this anymore. Yeah. Because Terminator... Well, I don't want to call it Terminator 3. But <laughs> uh, Terminator Dark Fate is pretty much going to say, right, forget all those. You've, you've just got to watch Judgment Day. You've just got to watch the best one. And, well, I, I have to say that fluctuates for me. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, I always thought that Judgment Day was the better film. Now that I'm slightly older supposedly wiser i think terminator is the better film it's kind of like the alien aliens thing and the godfather godfather part two insert you know somewhere a little bit of silence for gavin moriarty to talk go on a little rant about you know aliens is so much better than alien it's not gavin it's really not but i don't know so i'm intrigued because you saw terminator and you were you kind of liked it or what was your thoughts on it I did enjoy it. Like, to be honest, I can't remember a lot about it, but it's because I watched like a whole bunch of movies in one go okay. from that period. So they all kind of blend into one big sci-fi mess. But I do remember enjoying it. Right. Well, definitely watch Terminator 2, put it that way, because, you know, it's, it is the perfect sequel. Would you agree? Thing. Yeah, I, I would say it's in terms of a sequel, it's as good a sequel as I've ever seen. And, and trying to do... Some try it, it's a sequel coming in, and someone coming in with the sequel, James Cameron coming back and saying, Right, let's do something and let's kind of twist what we know. Because you've only seen bad Arnie, <laughs> you've only seen bad Arnie. You know, this is kind of Arnie as the father I always wanted to have. You know, as much as I love my own father, but it's like I always wanted a T800 for my father. He just reminds me of my uncle in a weird way. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's just like your uncle Terminator character. Uh, I know maybe it's something to do. I've mentioned the podcast before, I've first seen this in my granny's house when it was your family's weird joe it's fantastic i wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for my family so you should be thankful okay that's that's very true yeah it, it i just love terminator 2 so much yeah it's it's a film i i can't not look back at with rose tinted glasses so i would definitely recommend once we finish this recording 
go home, just just run home. Do you like in the family guy when Peter runs home and it's like go <laughs> run home, Peter, run home. Just just run home right now and I don't care I don't care. Just if anyone's watching anything on TV, just find, you know, somewhere a copy of Terminator Two. Because even better, you you'll not even to go have to go through like the originals where you can clearly see like the stunts aren't done by Arnie because I think you told me this oh, the Blu-ray where, version where yeah. they've actually like been able to update so it's it looks like Arnie doing all the stunt work but it's not no oh Arnie doesn't do his own stunts he just gets kicked in the back by kids there's no way he could fly off like a part of a like <laughs> a motorway and then just straight on to like concrete below with having no effect and no training on a motorbike whatsoever <laughs> or maybe he could they just never let him well he did take that drop kick to the back like a pro Yes, he did. He did. But uh, I, I, look, I don't know about Dark Fate. It's a bit like Men in Black International. It's either going to be terrible or I'm going to come out and say, I really like this. I don't think it's going to be a meh film. I don't know, like, what's your thoughts on the kind of the, the new, well, what we've seen anyway, the new villain, the two Terminators in, in one body, the kind of exorcist kind of approach? I don't feel anything, really. Uh, maybe it's just going to be one of those things I'll just have to wait and see because I suppose if you went and watched the trailer to say Terminator 2 and you see Robert Patrick as a T-1000 you think oh he's just sort of a slim line you know bland sort of villain with nothing to him but it's just became so much more because he's just completely unstoppable yeah and there's Doggett from the X-Files what's he doing here he's not going to be a baddie oh wait he is yeah no I I think it comes down to special effects I have no I have, I just have no more love to give for the Terminator franchise, and I know we. I was kind of, I put this out on on Facebook earlier on, and we got a couple of responses. Like there is people like Kieran Majori who just is like, no, let it die, <laughs> and that's like, yeah, pretty true. And we had Brian Lee Griffith, who's hoping to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger later this year. Hopefully, he won't drop kick him to the back, and he's hoping for a good things. But like you, Joe, he's mentioned the terrible PlayStation Three graphics that we see in that one scene. I go PS2. I go. <laughs> having recently started playing a PlayStation Classic again, much to my misfortune and you know, you know, a shame that I paid money for. I would say PlayStation graphics almost. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't look. Is there anything else caught your eyes in the last couple of days in terms of movie news, guys? Um, yeah, I'm, I think I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing what uh, Taika Waititi is going to do with Akira, the live mm. action version. Like, it's been knocked around in the past, and even people like Christopher Nolan have been linked to it, but anytime you hear those different names, you're kind of going, uh, I don't think it's the right fit, it's not the right fit, but I think he could do something interesting with this. If he kind of doesn't lean so much on, you know, his uh, comedic end of things, because visually he can handle action brilliantly, mm-hmm. like you've seen it in Thor Ragnarok. Um, but yeah, I'm really interested to see what he's going to do with this. I want the complete opposite. From you, I want like Taika Waititi's kind of Thor Ragnarok version of Akira. I dabble with manga. I don't know. Are you a manga fan? Not at all. No. Have you ever seen Akira? No, I actually haven't heard of it. What is it? Please inform me. Hang on, Joe's going to jump over the table I'm, here. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No. <laughs> it, 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 see, after you watch Terminator Two, okay. you, you've watched <laughs> I Akira. Leave here with a huge yes. list, aren't I? <laughs> yes, and we'll we'll take you to HMV or something. We'll just get you a trolley and we'll load it full yeah. of DVDs. Uh, no, it's just like a, a really like famous uh, manga cartoon and it's about bikers in futuristic Tokyo and I don't want to say too much Oh, I think I've seen it. a clip from this. There's like an opening where there's like a, a motorbike race or something. Yes. Yes, yes I have seen like a clip. A chase, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yes, see, seek it out. It's fantastic and I don't want to tell you too much about it because the less you know going into it, the more you'll get from it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I I, do love Akira. I came to Akira late. I came to Akira after watching Ghost in the Shell and kind of was one of those films that, oh, if you like this, you should watch that. I just don't know. And it's a bit like the Disney thing, the live action remakes. I don't know if I want a live action Akira because I kind of love the style of 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 the anime original. Like, it's a bit like the remake of Ghost in the Shell. As much as I kind of like the kind of visual style of that film, I know there's a lot of issues people have with that and kind of Western whitewashing and all that kind of mantra that goes with it. I I still I kind of visually like that film as much as as the compliment as I can go, but I would still rather watch you know the animated original. Yeah, no, I I fell asleep during Ghost in the Shell, the live action version. But having said that, I I didn't watch the anime before, it, and then I actually did go back and watch the anime version, and I thought 
okay, why, why, how, how could you get this wrong? You know, there's just so many um, different th- ways they could have made the you know live action version so much better. And yes, the whole whitewashing thing—it's it was just awful, and it stuck out like such a sore thumb, especially when they tried to you know work around it, yeah. and it just made things ten times yeah. worse. It's like, oh, don't do that. But anyway, uh, unless there's anything else, I think we shall move on to part two of the podcast. Okay, guys, so we're going to talk about Godzilla, King of the Monsters. As I said, I saw this earlier on at the movie house Dublin Road. You guys have just seen it tonight here at the Odeon in Belfast. Uh, Joe, I'm going to ask you just kind of before we get into discussing the film, give us a bit of setup for our listeners. Okay, so it takes place a few years after uh, Gareth Edwards' 2014 film. And it basically sets up that we are in a world where there are lots and lots of creatures like Godzilla and they're known as Titans. And... There is a plan hatched by an eco-terrorist who wants to basically unleash them upon the world to bring about natural order as after man has ruined the earth. You know, the usual stuff. What you do at the weekend, you know? Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah. So let's play a clip of the film. Hold your fire. We don't know he'll attack. Well, he will if you keep those guns on him. <laughs> So that's a clip of Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Joe, lead the way. What do you think? Well, that's never good. No, I know. The big breathing inside. Um, see, I really, really liked the Garth Edwards film in 2014. I really like what he done with it in terms of, you know, making basically a Godzilla film in the mold of Jaws. And where, you know, we see less is more. This one's kind of done the complete opposite of it, whereby it's just, yeah, let's just throw every, you know, monster we have in, like, the Toho uh, Godzilla uh, canon, like the big hitters in terms of, like, you know, you've got King Ghidorah and Rodan and Mothra alongside him. Those elements I really, really liked, and the visuals that were presented with those monsters, and especially when they're engaging in fights with each other, I thought were just fantastic. But again, like the problems that were around the Gareth Edwards one, it was the characters. Mm. Um, with the Gareth Edwards one, they were, you know, they were just kind of bland and one-dimensional. But I think they managed to make it worse somehow with this yeah. one, whereby they're just it, this is a, the actual script and the dialogue from just so uninspired, and it's just one note bland and just monotonous and one tone. And I just felt, uh, okay, you've you've gone backwards with the worst element of the first thing, but you've got you've kind of one upped the visual spectacle and the the scale uh and on top of that the actual story itself and the characters motivations and behavior like i don't know if you heard me at one point but when there's a big reveal with one of the characters explaining you know the you know their sort of is this is this like the phone call that also becomes like a presentation yes yes the powerpoint uh, on the the shield uh helicarrier (laughs) um I just was, I was laughing away to myself. I don't know, like maybe you may have seen my sh- like shoulder shrug. I was trying to hold it in. because I thought I you might have been be... crying. I'll be honest. No, but I was near tears when, well, I can't really spoil it. It's to do with the monsters now. Because, uh, yeah, that's the thing. The monsters have more character to them than any of the humans. And I actually felt more for them throughout the film than any of the human elements. I didn't care. I was just kind of like tapping my foot patiently going, can we get back to Godzilla and the others, see what they're at? Um, but having said that, I still enjoyed it. Uh, it is, I think, inferior to um the Gareth Edwards version. And having been a fan, like growing up watching the Toho films, I think it was the director, you know, lovingly going back to them. And there's a lot of nods to them. Uh, but I think it's maybe holding on to too much instead of making it feel like a natural progression mm. from the Gareth Edwards when he's really putting his own stamp on it. But it's almost too much. But um, overall, I think it's it's just all right. It's not as bad as a lot of critics have been bashing it, though. I know we're talking to a member of the staff here at the Odeon just before we came up to record, and he was kind of saying that Empire had given it one review. I do think that's harsh. But when you read the review, 
there's not one point I disagree with. And a lot of them are points that you've made. But uh, before I kind of go off on my rant, uh, well, not rant, little ramble, what did you think, Victoria? I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I do agree the the dialogue is a major issue. I didn't care about any of the characters. You could almost predict word for word what was going to be said in between Mm. seeing the monsters. It's like a horror film. You don't care about the people. You just want to see the monster again. Yeah. But... Like the visuals were great, and there was like the fight scenes were incredible. But good visuals can't save a bad film. Yeah, because I think you get that idea. Like I know Keanu Reeves talked about that with uh, John Wick Chapter Three, where it's the idea of you know c- plot through action, and that's it. You can't really move a plot on with characters like Godzilla and King Ghidorah because you can't really know what they're thinking. And I don't think I really necessarily wanted a film that explores the intimate psyche of Godzilla. I, I don't think you're mm. going to get that, and I don't think viewers expect that but i want to ask you both this I, I i agree with you completely in what you said in your review joe but this film feels like a, a reaction by warner brothers to the, the the vocal fans on social media that complained oh i didn't see enough godzilla in the last film i didn't see enough of the titans or i think it's mutus in the last film we want more of that stuff we want more crash bang wallet rinse repeat that's what we want so warner brothers have said well that's okay there you go, this is what you want. And then when you get that, you get served up something that, I agree with you, the human drama in the previous film is a bit clunky and a bit Derry Lee, but it's better than this. And I think what saves the first film is the first, I, I think I said in my review initially, the first hour, but I think it's from re-watching it last week, the first 40 minutes where we'll have Brian, Brian Cranston just stealing the show. And even in this film and in the last film, Ken Watanabe oh, as well. Yeah, Watanabe. Yeah. You know, he's he's great. And, there's moments in this film that it's he's probably the character of all those kind of arcs that I feel for. I think that's maybe because the kind of the developments, without going into spoiler, what happened. But just just for you, like I mean, we we talk about this all the time in the podcast and the TV show. It's this idea of toxic fandom entitlement, and I mean, just your your kind of thoughts on that. And I, this idea now that we've seen in recent you know in recent weeks, we've seen the Game of Thrones demand that we we want. We didn't like this ending, so we want HBO, we want you to go back and remake, remake the whole thing. We want that. We we saw with Star Wars, you know, a few years ago. We don't like that. We don't like this uh, Luke Skywalker. Go back and remake the whole thing. Please, do it now. And, like, the, the I think we said this in last week's show, like, the poll for that, for HBO to remake the Series 8, I think has the same number of people taking part as who want a, a second referendum in Brexit. It's scary. So, I mean, what is yours? And I'll start with you, Victoria. What is your thoughts on the current state of fan entitlement in the era of social media? I think it's absolutely bizarre. I mean, before social media, you had people who were passionate about films, passionate about television. And if they didn't like it, they could share it with their friends, but they didn't have this sense of, I have been a fan of this for X amount of time, so you owe me what I want. Mm. I, I hate that kind of toxic entitlement. Like you said, the Game of Thrones petition was absolutely ridiculous. Could you imagine how much better the world would be if people cared about politics and yeah. they cared about that? Like it's it's mad. Yeah, it it just baffles me. Like I've maybe it's because I've never had that reaction. I come back to that person I was talking about coming out of the Terminator Genesis screen. Oh, that raped my childhood. I've never had that reaction because I sit and go, well. You know, if it's a remake, I can ignore that remake. If it's a sequel, I don't like, well, I don't have to watch that. Or I can forget that happens. Or I kind of know, well, I'll probably just clean the slate. But uh, I've never really had that focus. And even the Game of Thrones, we talked about it last week on the podcast. The Game of Thrones end, and I have problems with it. I have issues with it. And I, I said this at the time. I said this when I was interviewed in Radio Ulster. I said this last week. I have problems when the two leading female characters within the series, Cersei and Daenerys, are kind of sidelined. I think that's my my issues, not actually in what happened. I just think in the case of of Payson, but that's my little ramble on that, Joe. Like what? Like we've talked about this before. This idea of it, do you see it as toxic? This social media era of fan entitlement. Oh, absolutely. Um, like excuse my French, but I have a term for them. Uh, they're self entitled bed wetting wankers. Uh, <laughs> I have no time for them anymore. It is just like you were saying, Victoria's like, oh, I didn't get things my way. I want it my way. Well, like you know, what? tough luck. You don't get your way. It is what it is, and you either accept it and move on. Or, you know, you may what, have liked what, it. Or what's your Twitter it. handle, Joe? I am not going to give that away <laughs> because I do not want to get doxxed. Yeah, and either they like it or they don't, uh, these sort of people. Um, 
but yeah, it's to the fact where the it's not just you know within you know petitions and that there they take it further. Um, like you've mentioned Game of Thrones, they there. write letters. They write let well, some they don't write letters anymore. They write one hundred forty characters. No, it's not one hundred forty. It's two hundred eighty characters of nonsense. Um, like for example, there was a news story uh, just bringing up Game of Thrones again. Uh, Kit Harrington was saying that um, after the show he had to go into rehab because he had slight drinking problems and uh, I think there were anxiety related yeah. issues as well. And of course, the bedwetters got out again and went, "Oh, good, you killed Daenerys." It's like no. His character in the show Sp- did it. Spoiler, Joe. Uh, you're dying to know by now. <laughs> if it's been a week. It's been a week. If you, all right. Kit Harrington didn't kill it. The writers wrote that his character was going to do it. And either, like I said, accept it and move on. Or, you know what? I don't care. Just shut up. I think you're trying to rival Alice Byrne there for being the title for the title of Spoiler Queen. But say no more. Look, I, I have no place for fan title. I've, I've talked about this. And I, I think the one... And I can feel myself having an internal... <sighs> Just for mentioning it is Ghostbusters, and I don't, I don't even want to go there and talk about all that stuff because that just brings up a lot of toxic nonsense and a lot of kind of fragile masculinity that I know I've talked in the past. But oh, the Doctor might be a woman, and and Doctor might be a woman. A Ghostbuster can't be a woman. All that stuff. But let, let's not go there. Let's get back to Godzilla. I, I think of this as a film that is a spiritual sequel to those kind of the schlocky, sillier Godzillas where it was Godzilla versus Monster of the Week kind of approach. Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, I think, is yeah, one I vaguely remember. Godzilla. Yeah, and... and at one point in this, I thought they were laying foundations for Mecha Godzilla at some point. I, I don't know how I feel about it. I've, I've seen this twice. I've seen it in 2 and I've now seen it in 3 And I don't think the 3D does anything for it. I don't think there's any demand to see it on a 3D visual. I'd love to see it on an IMAX screen, but... I still think, and coming back to Gareth Edwards' film, and I know you haven't seen it, Victoria, but I know you've you said you've seen parts of it. Yeah. Like I think of like the iconic Halo drop in that film, which is just a joy to behold on a big screen, and they actually reference it in the opening shot of this because it's set very briefly in 2014, then flashes forward five years. But I've I've always talked about this, and I remember speaking to Bill Taylor, a local filmmaker, because one of the things I loved about Gareth Edwards' film was. It's ability to show scale and size through cinematography. And, you know, Seamus McGarvey's visuals in the first Godzilla are absolutely stunning. But, you know, you always see, like, because I, I rewatched it, you always see, like, the camera can never really get Godzilla all in shot. It's always kind of him would have to move up or pan sideways. We never see him in, its, in his entirety. Like, there's a, a scene where we see it's like, it's a, I don't know if that's the right term, but like a blockade or an armada of battleships. And you just see the fins and you go, okay, that's an easy way to set scale. And you go, he's a pretty big lad. Like, you're not going to mess with Godzilla. I don't get that in this film. They've taken the, the reverse approach where they pull the camera back. So you're you're seeing things from a distance to get an idea scale. And it doesn't have the same effect. You're taught, you both have praised, you've both praised the visuals in the fighting sequence. I was a bit underwhelmed by them because, you know, there's, all, there's either snow... Or there's, you know, there's snow or there's kind of heavy rain or cloud. There's always something in it and it kind of obscures your view. And I, I never got that sense of scale. Like It's an, a, a problem I had with Kong, the kind of second installment in this monarch monster verse, that they never, re- the, the, the size of the monsters fluctuates. One minute they are ginormous, they are absolutely huge. And the other bit, they're a bit big. I, I don't know. Maybe that's me being really petty, but I don't know. What about you guys? What do you think? No, I completely get you. Like the whole thing about the snow and the rain and stuff and all these fast moving shots and quick edits. Like they're designed to make you pay attention, but they're not actually showing you much. Mm. That's the problem with a lot of action films. And it's why I love John Wick so much mm-hmm. with all these amazing pan shots. So you see everything you need to see. But in terms of the visuals, I think the way the monsters are designed is good because you get like the proper detail of their skin texture, that kind of thing. But the way they're shot does let it down, I think. It's just me, but the one thing I will say, and it's coming back to the idea of a film that feels like it's true to the spirit of the series. Godzilla, as we know he's a, a CGI creation. I'm not sure if he's mocap. I don't know if Andy Serkis was involved in this time. But it does at times feel like it's a man in the suit. And I don't have a problem with that. You know, There's a part of that that brings a little silly smile to my face. I don't have a problem with a monster being a man in a suit 
I do have a problem when a film can't really get the scale right of its creations, but that's just me. Victoria's Wedding, what about you, Joe? Um, yeah, I do get that point. It is does look like a man in the suit, and like like I said, as someone who grew up watching the Toho films, like mm. one of the one of the ones I did watch was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, and there was that kind of similar movement to yeah. the character, and it clearly is a man rubber suit in the scene with the Ghidorah character. Um, I think uh, with the vision, I, I get the ideas that you're talking about with scale, but with this here, I think there was a bit more personality. Okay. To each of the creatures, like you see the Ghidorah heads arguing with each mm. other and that there. The three stooges thing yeah, someone references yeah, them as. Yeah. Um and then even Godzilla himself when he gives certain glances and that there, when he would like come in to save the day, like any sort of hero would. On that um, point, right. On that point, how does a monster like Godzilla creep up on you? Because how many times in this film does he like kind of like your characters look in one way or the cameras look in one way? And it's like, oh, Godzilla steps in to save the day. It's like, how the fuck did he just creep in? Have you seen the size of him? <laughs> but like the other thing's making huge amounts of noise. Like basically, right, if you have someone like like a huge monster in front of you banging its foot in the ground, you're going to be tone deaf. Yeah. And that's another thing actually it's bugging me now when I like when Latin out have come out of it. They talk about these creatures emitting huge amounts of radiation, yeah. yet they're walking around no problem. Like if anyone's watched Chernobyl, you should know the horrible effects of radiation and extreme doses close up. Just watch episode three of that, and you should see, you'll see what the characters in this film will end up don't, like. I don't think you'll be emotionally prepared for. Oh no, actually no, don't anyone. No, no. If you have a weak stomach, do not do that. Uh, but that's just like a minor quibble. Like you know, I'm complaining about radiation levels in a film with giant monsters. Yeah. It's, it's it's a silly thing. When Get you real, about. Joe. Well, that's what that's a problem as well. It's trying to maintain a sense of reality. With fantasy as well, like it, I that's maybe another thing that just kind of niggled at me. Sorry, right, Victoria. It by the end of this, like Joe will have argued with himself till he yes. gets the film. <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, it doesn't really maintain that balance of fantasy and reality in the way that Gareth Edwards managed to do it in the first one, because you know, like people were questioning, oh, how does it feed itself and all this here? Mm. You know, the ocean would be emptied of like sea life or whatever. How does he poop? Mean? Where does he poop? Well, we know where he poops now, kind yeah, of. It's called Gents Causeway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's just, I don't know, the more the more you're talking to me now, the more I'm kind of going, did I like it or am I, am I just wearing rose-tinted glasses growing up watching? Like, honestly, any time a new monster came on, I was like, oh, there's Rodan! Oh, there's but On that friend. note, like, there is a monster that can, gets completely lost in the drama. I don't really see the point in having him in the film, really, yeah. other than kind of token gestures. And we have Mothra. Mothra was a character I loved in the original films, just because of the design. I don't know if I love the design of this Mothra. I think I kind of prefer the kind of the 50s version, but that's just me. And we have other titans, you know, unsurprisingly, Kong is nowhere to be seen. But don't worry, he's going to be on the big screen next year, facing off against Godzilla. Look, he's just sitting on his island, he's just biding his time. Sitting on his arse doing nothing, that's Pretty what much. he's doing. Yeah. And they're clearly going to have to explain why the whole kind of idea that there's a, a call. There's a thing, right? See that idea, they have this device, the MacGuffin, that is able to attract and kind of... I'm not sure if it's control these titans so that they can kind of let them fight as Ken Watanabe's character says in the first film. But there's the MacGuffin that reminds me so much of Rampage from the, the film out last year with Dwayne The Rock yeah. Johnson. And I think that's what this film needed. They needed someone like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. As much as I love, you know, generic dad, Kyle Chandler, as much as I love him, you know, any film where he's in, he's usually only in this film as well. He's traditionally playing someone's dad he's the new generation's dennis quaid right but he's not on dennis quaid levels of awesomeness but he he's not a charismatic leading man he just he, he, he really knows how to whisper angrily that's all he does <laughs> he the does film. so much whispering it's like i'm sorry would you speak up I can't like, you. we've got to stop this godzilla monster and you're like what are you saying now you're just whispering and mumbling i'm so angry right now i can't believe what i'm gonna say i think we should really go kill him. sorry what just speak up would you kyle please i can't hear you son Boy, we should have killed Godzilla. I'm telling you, just listen to me. And, you know, Millie Bobby Brown is wasted in this. Yeah. 100%. She was just... They could have given her so much more screen time. The character was okay. 
But she's got so much more range that they could have given her. Like, it was... She wasn't disappointing, it was her role, I think. Yeah, I mean, she she's not bad. None of them... No, there's no performances in this are necessarily bad. Vera Famica is an actress I'll pretty much watch in anything. She's probably the only reason... Her and Patrick Wilson are the only real reasons why I'll watch the Conjuring films. Interesting, you know, we mentioned the Annabelle, the the third Annabelle film. We mentioned the third Annabelle film. You know, they are coming back, albeit briefly, in cameo appearances. So that would probably end up with me buying my cinema ticket. But she's wasted in this role that goes from grieving mother to mad scientist. And she kind of fluctuates. It almost seems like her character is a product of rewrites and kind of oh this is from this this is from this uh version of the script that's from that version of the script let's just stick it all together and all work she it's it's a bit like the kind of magneto at the end of x-men apocalypse where he's just caused mass genocide and james mcafoy's like goodbye old friend <laughs> and goodbye australia because i've just torn it to shreds <laughs> <laughs> goodbye old friend it's it's that i know without going into spoilers like you know it, there is that kind of there, there is throughout this film the kind of um, great disaster movie kind of morality. Good people come to good ends, bad people come to bad ends. And it is a bit like a Roland Emmerich disaster film. And let's not even mention Roland Emmerich's Godzilla film. Why'd you go there? <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> it, I, I don't, when I came out of it, I said, I actually turned around and someone said, I think that's on a par with emmerich's godzilla i don't th- I'm, I'm i don't think it's that bad i don't think it's as terrible as that have you seen the roland emmerich godzilla no but i feel like i should no, no you shouldn't <gasps> well there's only one thing you should watch it for and in, in this podcast's previous guys before it became what it is now we did a godzilla special and i remember richard davis could do that it's, it's a one good thing in the emmerich film it's the guy looking at the flame going godzilla no one can top Richard's impersonation of that character. And can I Ken Watanabe, I think, is channel him anytime he says, Kojula. Yeah. But, um, like he speaks in a normal pattern, then all of a sudden, Kojira. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you, you were just like explaining something, and then you're like, I know, but I have to emphasize Kojira because yeah. I think he's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's like, and it's because it's I'm reading my notes. Sally Hawkins, a character that's completely wasted in this. I know, like, you're going from the shape of water to this, and she's barely in this here, and she does virtually nothing in the film. She has, I think, some a little bit of dialogue, and then she croaks it. And I don't, I don't consider it a spoiler because it's in the first in the film's like first 40, 45 minutes. To be honest, I didn't know she died until it said in the screen deceased. <laughs> I was like, where did she go? Did she like get stood on, or did something need her? Like, and then when, oh, I, when I watched it the first time, I had the exact same reaction. And then when I watched it the second time, I was like, all right, that happened. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just come out of it so underwhelmed, and I don't know how I feel because I again, I am such a fan of the two thousand fourteen film. I think it's it it's a film that manages to do the slow burn, and I know I know Gareth Edwards channeled those films. He mentioned like films like Close Encounters, Alien, Jaws, where it's all about the slow reveal, and then you get to see the monster. And he's kind of Gareth Edwards has said this, and I know Michael Doherty has mentioned this. You know, he, he is a director I like. You know, Trick or Treat, I've a huge soft spot for Krampus, I love, but. He, Michael Doherty was kind of saying, "Oh, I don't know if audiences really want the slow burn now," and you're like. Mm. I do. <laughs> I well, do. it made enough money to really warrant the fact yeah. that audiences do like it. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, but I, I know we could talk quite a bit. And I know there's a few last little things I want to say. One of the things I have to admit that really did bug me about this film is the fact that we have Monarch, the organization who went in, you know, in Kong Skull Island, and also in uh, the first Godzilla film. They've went from being the kind of guys at the back of the room, kind of like the Men in Black kind of guys or the X-Files, kind of the organization that no one really kind of talks about, but they're there in the background. They have they now have been kitted out by, by Tony Stark. God rest him. God rest him. R.I.P. Too soon. Hashtag too soon. But they've been clearly kitted out by Tony Stark. They have a, an arsenal available to them now that would rival anything that S.H.I.E.L.D. can do. I don't know. It, it was a real bugbear. I know it's a really nitpicking for nitpicking sake, but it was a real bugbear for me. From what we've seen in the previous films, just to this. 
Yeah, I think it goes back to my point about the Gareth Edwards film. You know, there was that sense of realism, and I really did like that aspect of Monarch in that they were like the background sort of secret agency you know akin to the men in black or something from the x-files whereas in this here they're just all out in the open it's a bit like yeah shield in the marvel films they even have their like heli heli carrier only it's like a a bit of massive fighter jet as well um and it kind of takes it kind of you know just pushes it more into the slightly absurd that you would have in the toho films Mm. that really like push these like weird weapons and stuff like that there and those ideas um so it did bother me a bit but it wasn't the biggest problem in the film for me yeah, maybe I'm just a really hard man to please, Joe. Look, as I, as I said earlier on, like for me, and I'm, I'm going to contradict myself here. Like one of the things I liked about what, what I like about what Warner Brothers are doing is the fact that they're giving interest in genre directors a chance in these films. What Warner Brothers are doing with the Godzilla franchise or this Monarch franchise, I don't know, MonsterVerse, whatever they want to call it, is the fact that they're giving the films to interest in directors. Like, we've had Michael Doherty here. We had Gareth Edwards. I can't remember who directed Kong. Uh, Jason Vogt-Robert, I think his name is. He, he did done The Kings of Summer. Godzilla versus Kong is Adam Wingard. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of intrigued by that. But I want to contradict myself because I know on the TV show, after my first viewing of this, I said I could kind of still see Michael Doherty coming through. And, you know, I could still see that director coming through through all the meat grinder that is a great big summer blockbuster is when you can still see you know, the style and the thing of the director that you like. Watching it a second time, I have to say, I don't. I see this as just a meat grinder of a film. And I, 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 that sounds like I'm being really harsh, but it's the fact that I don't see any of the style and flair. There's there's a couple of well-executed jump scares here. There's one mm. kind of one I think is, you know, it's 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 executed well, but it's in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. I It's, it's just for me from a second view, and as opposed to you guys who've just saw this fresh tonight, when I watched the first, I said, yeah, I can still see Michael Doherty coming through here and I can see what he's kind of trying to do. Second time, I, I see this as someone who's been lost in the meat grinder. Mm. See, I see him as a bit of... He kind of reminds me of Joe Dante yeah. in, his, in the way, you know, his sort of style. Like, Krampus is basically like his gremlins. Mm. Um, and yeah, I completely agree with you. I, it just seems like very cookie-cutter, blockbuster. And you can tell, you know, the only thing that kind of shines through is that he loves... Godzilla and he yeah. loves the creatures of the Toho universe. But after watching this, I'm like, you know what, I kind of want you just to do the smaller budget stuff again because mm-hmm. that's what you do so well because you really do hone in on character and story and you're probably not at loggerheads with like executives in terms of having to meet like criterias and go, oh, you need this, this and this. Yeah, I agree. Um, look, we're going to wrap up and, and move on to part three. But before we do, Victoria, having not seen the previous Godzilla film but having watched this, I don't know, have you seen Kong Skull Island? No, I always meant to, but by the time I had got round to it... You have so many films to catch up, young lady. HMV, shopping. (laughs) You know, do the way HMV are nearly out of business, you're going to single-handedly save them. We're going to take you to HMV, but you're paying. I'm going to save the high street. Yeah, you're going to save single-handedly. But are you excited? Are you intrigued? I know you're way behind in a lot of other films, but the thought of going to the cinema to see Kong versus Godzilla next year. I don't know what way it's working. Is it Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong? They're going to slap the shit out of each other. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> but is it, I, wonder, I wonder, is it going to be like a Tarn Inferno kind of thing? Where they, is it, Who's in that? It's um, oh, Paul Newman, Steve McQueen. Paul Newman, yeah. Steve McQueen. Who's going to argue for the, the bigger font size in the title? Who's going to be the highest in the titles? But are you excited by the thought of uh, watching that film next year? I actually am. Like The main thing I loved about this film was going into the origin of them, mm-hmm. going into that like ancient society kind of thing. And it was very, it felt very Lovecraftian to me. I really enjoyed that. So I'm hoping they still have some elements of that in Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong, whatever they decide to go with. But as long as it's not just some big CGI fight for an hour and a half, I'd be quite happy. Yeah. What about you, Joe? Yeah, the same. Like, uh, they can't get the characters any more wrong um, <laughs> than they have in, well, not so much the first one, but more so this one. Um, I think, yeah, if you just get somebody in to punch up the script that you have and just, you know, make the characters likable and have something to cling on to and sort of increase the stakes, I think, you know, you can have a real winner on your hands. But if it's in the same vein as this one, I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see. And with that, we shall move on to part three of the podcast. 
Okay, guys, so we're going to wrap up with part three of the podcast, and it's our and finally, our little bit of silliness just to, to finish proceedings here this week. And uh, I thought in the spirit of Godzilla and the fact that we have this expanded monarch universe, and we know whether you consider it a spoiler or not, but there's at least 17 other Titans out there. I didn't see when we were watching the film Northern Ireland mentioned. Depressingly, I thought Finn McCool might have got a reference in there somewhere, but I just thought if Monarch were going to come and investigate in Northern Ireland, I want your Northern Irish themed Titans. I'll start with you, Victoria. I'd like them to investigate May McFetridge. There's got to be something there. It's a bit harsh now, May. Well, I don't think she'd mind. We've all been there. I, I can see that. Like a supersized May McFetridge like going down but Belfast. Do you, do you want her supersized, Victoria? Or is it just literally Monarch opening the door and it's like, right, May, let's... I like the idea of a supersized. Like oh. uh, the State Puff Marshmallow Man and Ghostbusters oh, just God. walking through Belfast City Centre. Imagine being look, looking up under that skirt. <laughs> the horrors <laughs> that you will see. How is she going to do panto? That's all I want to know. She, she would find a way. I'm, I'm sure she would. Oh. I just assume she'd be in panto costume, just like waving a hand handbag around I, I'm gonna be honest, City Hall. I'm going to be honest. I'm picturing like May McFetridge dressed as a fairy, you know, roaming around Great Victoria Street, just rampaging, destroying Boojum, leaving terror in her wake. <laughs> fucking hate you, Boojum. Oh. Fucking wreck you. Why don't you want to die, son? That's a really bad but uh, it's awful. That's an intriguing one. Um, it's it's not. We've had Jonathan Cardwell from the Belfast Times. He wanted a huge Julian Simmons. Nice. And now new TV, we're just going to have a wee dander down the street here and just wreck the fucking shop. <laughs> In this Titan kind of universe of a giant oversized Mary McFetridge and a giant oversized Julian Simmons, Northern Ireland is just destroyed. Just ruined. I actually you know, think... forget the troubles. This is going to be, forget the troubles and the legacy. This is what people will be talking about for years. You see, with, you know, like in uh, Godzilla, Ghidorah has like the lightning that shoots out of his yeah. mouth. Julian's just pure orange. His fake tan just emits <laughs> radiation and just destroys buildings upon, you know, just the reflection of them. Where do you think that uh, tan comes from? I don't know. Uh, talking about earlier on about a previous guys for this podcast, many, many years ago, and I know we still have have carried on the the legacy of banter hq banter hq is a real place you know it, it exists somewhere but uh i remember when this podcast started we had julian simmons as our butler what, what do you mean what that's what you envisioned yeah that's what we envisioned we just wanted julian simmons to be our butler <laughs> i i remember this days and we used to spend many of the near the end of the podcast talking about how julian had to clean this mess up and that mess up <laughs> Oh, did you enjoy your wee film, lads? Oh, no. Oh, Look no. at this. It's going to be on Carnation Street Oh, now. that Deirdre Barlow is an old slapper, isn't it? Old <laughs> tart. But, uh, yeah, it, it just kind of caught my mind there. Um, we thankfully didn't have May McFetridge. I know now this person, there was one other person who stole my original idea. And I don't have a name for this. It's just the, the spit roast pod. Insert, you know, rude joke there, whatever <laughs> you so wish. But they wanted a giant. Everybody just wants a giant. They wanted a giant Mr. Tater with the power to infect the whole country with crippling heartburn. But then it got to me. I was thinking about that. It's like, which Mr. Tato? See, I read that earlier as well, and I envisioned a clash of the Tatoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, at the border, they're just going to have a huge, huge fight. Like, Nuri's going to be completely destroyed in this big, like, potato-infested, you know, carnage. Yeah, that's that's what I kind of thought. I thought, like, which Mr. Tato? I I, actually, I didn't think that Battle Over Nuri. I thought that Battle at Tato Castle. Oh, well, Tandigree's not too far. Well, there's a Tato Castle in both ends of the border. Is, is there two Tato Castles? I think so. I think there's one in the south as well. I know one of them has, like, a, a theme park. Another one just has a castle. Yeah. Well, actually, no, I think it's Carlingford. Something's telling me Carlingford. I could be completely wrong here. You could be wrong. I probably am very wrong here. I just... For some reason, it's just in my head. There's some sort of Tato-esque building in Carlingford. Um, look, we're going to have to disagree. And there is only one Mr. Tato. But what about you, Joe? What have you thought for your Northern Irish-themed Titans? The George Best statue. Oh, God. That is a terrifying <laughs> thing in and of itself. But imagine it like 60 feet in the air, just praying around Belfast and using its like bronze like football and just booting it about the place. and just. I reckon that havoc. statue would be shit at football. Probably would. I reckon it would be just kind of like trying to kick the ball as they oh, missed again. Oh, for missed for again. some reason, it's got dreadlocks instead of normal hair because that's what the statue looks like it has. What do you <laughs> think's more terrifying? The thought of that statue coming to life or the, and this is away from Northern Ireland, the Cristiano Ronaldo statue coming to life? 
See, I think we're going to have a Clash of the Titans style thing here. And we're going to get the weird Mo Salah one with tiny arms and a huge head. But I think, well, the Ronaldo one actually is more terrifying because somebody took like the concept of the face and applied it to Ronaldo's own one. Mm-hmm. And what it would look like in real life. And it's horrifying. So I think he's edged it in that one. Just reminds me of the head from Art Attack. And oh, that, yeah. That's me showing me age. Particularly, I don't know if Victoria's looking at me. Was I that... remember it. Do you? Yeah. That's it used okay. to be on. Was it, was it CBBC or UTV? UTV? What's a CBBC? (laughs) (laughs) UTV all the way. And that was it. And then there was, wasn't Smart as well? Oh, yeah, there was Smart, yeah. I love love Smart, but but let's not go on that discussion. As for me, as I say, Spit Roast Pod did steal my idea for a giant oversized Mr. Tato. I was kind of thinking what would happen if a bolt of electric hit the... What, now this is where people that have their different names and um, you have that nula with the hula yeah down by the waterfront what would happen if a like a stray bolt of lightning brought her to life and she yeah. suddenly went on a rampage around belfast That's... and you've got the big fish as well yeah the big well the big <laughs> she would straighten st george that clock what do you get st george's clock is it yeah yeah straighten it up the, she's actually doing good the big fish would just he actually wouldn't move it would just sit there flapping that would be it. it would have no powers whatsoever. Other ones, I was kind of thinking of if you're gonna go for, if you're gonna go for you know oversized Northern Irish celebrities, but you can't go Steve Nolan anymore with all the weight that he's lost. You know, you can't go for that. I was kind of thinking you could do something with Eamon Holmes somewhere or Jim McDonald. Just- Jim McDonald, that'd be terrifying. You just hear him a mile <laughs> off, and now all you hear is and it doesn't like shoulders, shoulders, shoulders. Oh, <laughs> it's Jim McDonald, run. <laughs> I'm going to get you, so I'm. So I'm, um, so I'm, um, so I'm. Um. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was the little bit of silliness. What can I say? Yeah. So with that, all that's really left for me to do now is bring this podcast to a close. So thank you very much, Victoria. You're very welcome, Jim. Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, most guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with another podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to, don't forget to subscribe, however you get your podcast and fix. And uh, thank you to the audience for hosting us here. We'll be back with another podcast next week. But for now, until then. Goodbye.